Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get into more must-have seen TV Pride Month, I want to remind everyone to please donate to the National Bailout Fund. Go to nationalbailout.org and please give whatever you can to help this moment and to help people that are doing their damnedest to change our country for the better. Please go to nationalbailout.org. Also follow Must Have Seen TV on Instagram at, at Must Have Seen TV and I will be posting links. You can go to LinkedIn bio, etc. to find more information. Oh, there's my blue shirt. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I am your TV guide, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter, producer for Decider.com. And welcome to part who knows what of the quarantine era of the podcast, which means you're not going to hear any music or any clips from the episode. And if we uh, fumble and mess up, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start it over again because you're just getting unfiltered content. And I didn't mention it last week, but this is... Part two of our Pride Month. Last week was part one. Surprise. You probably gathered that from the uh, Golden Girls talk with Frank DeCaro and Jim Colucci. Doesn't get much gayer than that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is part two of the Pride Month extravaganza. <laughs> sure. And this week I am joined by the host of My Year with Dolly, a phenomenal podcast about Dolly Parton herself, Justin Kirkland. Hello, Justin. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I I realize I'm getting all of the... Uh, basically, if you are gay and you have a book or a podcast that I've liked recently, I have asked you to be on the show. Uh, so, um, My Year with Dolly is a blast. That is quite an endeavor. Uh, give, give, the, give the listeners a rundown on what that is. Um, before I knew how complicated it was to oh, yeah. record and produce a podcast, <laughs> I had um, this novel idea that I would do weekly episodes. Dolly has been putting out um, music and had a career for 52 years. It just so happens that somebody put 52 weeks in a year. Um, so we're covering each year of her career, um, starting with 1967. I think we're in the late 80s now. Um, and my, my eyes are crossed. So yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful, though. I love I love Dolly. So if I'm going to go crazy over somebody, it's going to be for her. Well, yeah. And you do these really great deep dives that I totally love. I think the most recent episode that I listened to was the Playboy episode where you talked about that. I don't know. First of all, as a as a journalism type person, it boggled my mind to think a what, 17 page feature piece that took you like a half hour to read. Like, how many words is that? And holy shit, like that's <laughs> so much it content. Was, 
It was incredible. I mean, to to have the liberty to fill seventeen pages in a in a magazine would be would be absolutely incredible these days. I don't think most magazines are seventeen pages anymore. God, yeah, I am lucky. I, I I've been turning around three hundred word posts on selling Sunset for the past. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's uh, that that's where journalism is at in the years twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> but I. I wanted to ask about Dolly Parton's sitcom history, because if anyone deserves, I don't know, her own sitcom, it should have been Dolly. I feel like we should have had eight seasons of a Dolly 80s sitcom, but we didn't get that. We got no. great, great things instead. There was a nine to five sitcom, though. Was there? Yes. It was. It oh, went to street syndication and absolutely no one. I don't think anyone from the movie is in it. No. Yeah, I just I, I remembered it. It's yeah, nobody from the movies in it. Yeah, it lasted a little. It lasted a good minute. Also, fun uh, trivia that I learned recently is that um, Bob Newhart was up for the Dabney Coleman part in Nine to Five, and he was offered it and turned it down to do a movie called First Family, which is truly bad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the thought of Dolly Parton and Bob Newhart sharing the screen just. We missed it. You missed it. Warms my heart, but also Dabney is like <laughs> he was great. supposed to be there. He's, it was it's correct. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I don't. I honestly don't know if Bob could have played that menacing and like dickish as Dabney. No. Uh, so you know it's great. But you were saying before we uh, started chatting that Re- that Dolly had a part on Reba, a post two thousand sitcom. So sadly, I won't cover it on this show. But maybe I will. Fuck the format, right? <laughs> <laughs> like who cares? Who knows how long quarantine will go? You you have time. No. Yeah, no. Uh, so, like, what was her role on Reba? How did they snare her? That's amazing. I think there's just a deep friendship there. Um, but she played a real estate agent um, by the name of Dolly Majors. Um, entirely, entirely campy, over the top. It's essentially Dolly Parton just in a pencil skirt, which I think was probably the first and only time she's ever <laughs> worn a pencil skirt. Um, but she's fantastic. I think she was on for three or four episodes. And uh, you're you're right. We should have had a we should have had a full Dolly sitcom. Fingers still crossed. But, I, but like you were, um, so you've covered the '80s. Did she have time in the '80s to devote to a you know a nine to five gig of a sitcom? No, I mean she had she had a couple of variety specials, which I think is kind of oh, like yes. where she shined. Um, yeah. There's this incredible one from I believe it's the late '70s, and it was um, Carol Burnett and her. Oh my god, it's amazing! <laughs> if you if you get the chance, you should you should check it out. Well, I will take this opportunity to tell my Reba McIntyre story since I'm never going to get to, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so being from Middle Tennessee, uh, I went to MTSU um, and I was a TV production major. And if you're a TV production major at a school that close to Nashville, literally all of your all of your professors are working on the CMAs or like fanfare or like they are in country music. And so... They would rope all of us students in for extra credit. We would work the CMA awards and our job was to just like wear a black polo, have a headset and they would station you somewhere. And just so they could say, does anyone have eyes on Kenny Chesney? And then someone could be like, I'm at this hallway. I have eyes on Kenny Chesney. That was our whole job. Oh, I will say this is also the day that I saw Dolly Parton. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm already uh, so angry at you for this whole no. story, but go ahead. Because, <laughs> like, I was driving one golf cart down into, like, the hill where all the tour buses were packed, were parked, and then coming up the the hill was my nemesis, my um, my, my screenwriting, scriptwriting nemesis, uh, who I 
was a, he was my rival and he was the one that was driving Dolly Parton <laughs> and it was just funny I had to like immediately like tell everyone I just saw this guy with Dolly Parton but anyway I got to be in the main uh amphitheater area for Reba McIntyre's rehearsal and it's just like you've never seen a more professional friendly immediately smiling like just having the time of her life such a pro and then during the show I was stationed outside of her dressing room so I got to watch her throughout the entire show, including when I don't know who won like best female artist that year, but like Reba went up to her backstage, smiled, gave her this huge hug, congratulated her. And it was just like seeing her backstage. It's like she's not performing for anyone. She ain't performing for us college students. Reba is just that nice. That's amazing. Ugh, I love Reba. Love Reba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you met Dolly yet? Well, no, yeah, I, you told that great story of talking to her on the phone, right? I've never met her, but she was my she was my first interview um, when yeah. I started interviewing people, um, and I was a total mess, like a total disaster. <laughs> um, and she stopped me because I grew up uh, essentially across the street slash state from you um, in yeah. East Tennessee. And she stopped me. She clocked the accent and um, asked me where I was from. And turns out that she she knew about, I guess, like 15 minutes from where I live is where she has a home. Mm. Um, calmed me down, um, told me approximately where she lived um, in relation to a Taco Bell McDonald's combo off <laughs> yeah, the that's highway. How you, that's how you mark things. <laughs> She's well, th- absolutely that yeah. or that or the Walgreens. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was incredible. It was, it's still to this day, my biggest screw up and my favorite memory of talking to somebody. (laughs) It was, it was great. What a legend. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, a a different legend (laughs) of another sort. Um, My personal hero. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to get into it. Uh, this week we're traveling to April 30th, 1991. Oscar ruled the box office. Baby Baby by Amy Grant topped the charts. And ABC aired the Roseanne episode Dances with Darlene. Justin, you must have seen Dances with Darlene before today. Yes. Big um, yeah. big Roseanne sitcom fan. Less Roseanne. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, like, what is your uh, history with Roseanne the sitcom? Specifically, like, what was the vibe, like, growing up about Roseanne? What were your parents' take on Roseanne? So I Roseanne was one of those blue collar shows that was always just kind of on because I had a, yeah. a very much a blue collar family. Um, and I actually think that Roseanne was some of my first exposure to any kind of queer people on television. Uh-huh. Um, I was explicitly told I was born in I was born in 90. So unfortunately did not see the episode. The. Well, you might have. You don't know. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Nature versus nurture. You know, this one episode that changed everything. Um, No, I didn't. I didn't get. I don't remember seeing it um, when it first aired. But I do remember watching it growing up. I was not allowed to watch um, Will and Grace um, Mm -hmm. because it could be a bad influence, quote unquote. But um, Roseanne was one of those things that enveloped so many things in kind of... uh, a little bit of a wrapping so um mm-hmm. it wasn't as obvious and i remember just being being floored growing up by all the things that um were kind of easter eggs in roseanne so it was always beloved in my house we watched a ton of roseanne oh wow yeah i so i was not allowed to watch roseanne which is so i always bring this up because it was too liberal in the early 90s 
Uh, wow. Because I, yeah, because I'm again like very blue collar. Like my mom is a version of Roseanne. Like I come from, my mom has God, I don't know, five or six sisters. I can never keep them all straight. And I always say like, None of them have ever had a meal out of the restaurant that went well because the waiter always messed up and they had to tell them what they did wrong. Like, (laughs) I grew up in a house of just hearing stories of all my female cousins and aunts and my mom just talking about the, like, men that had wronged them that day and where they told them to go stick it. Like, (laughs) that kind of shit. So it blows my mind when I finally discovered Roseanne that, like, why wasn't, was it too real for my mom? (laughs) Like That's incredible. <laughs> but and yeah, I think also it might have been like Roseanne was a very liberal show in that like it had multiple gay characters on it. We're meeting one in this episode and also Sandra Bernhard comes on to the show and is a recurring character for a ton of time. Roseanne's mom comes out as a lesbian at the very end. Um the very last episode retroactively reveals that Jackie was a lesbian as well. <laughs> Absolutely. My queen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's so weird that now Roseanne got the rep when it came back a couple years ago as being like the red state conservative show when it's like, well, in the 90s, conservatives hated her because she like grabbed her crotch when she sang the national anthem and was very like outspoken feminist. And like, it's kind of like this weird litmus test of like where we are as a society of like how we view Roseanne and also who Ro- Roseanne is choosing to rebel against and push against. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that's one of the interesting things about Roseanne and I was I don't think that I fully realized how how revolutionary she was for the time because my first full watch of the series like purposeful watch of the series I think was probably in the early 2000s yeah um because it started being syndicated and I remember it like coming on in order um for the first time and sitting down to watch it and I'm I'm a strange one because I love the finale. Um, it's one of my it's one of my all time favorite finales. It's um, wild. It's 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 bonkers. Well, the um, last season, the entire last season is just a true wackadoodle. Like, yeah, just do whatever you want to. This episode's an action movie. Roseanne is basically Steven Seagal on a bullet train to Washington. Like, of course. What is this? <laughs> but to to know that this episode that um, we're talking about came out in in ninety one. Arguably, I guess I don't want to. I don't want to sound ignorant. I would say, like toward toward the tail end of the AIDS crisis, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this episode is also notable because, like, in terms of gay recurring characters, like last week we talked about Golden Girls, which introduced Blanche's gay brother in season four. Episode of the week, gay of the week. He comes on the show, they solve him, then he leaves to never be seen again. Except he comes back two years later and he has a second episode where he gets uh, married um, in 1991. Literally like two weeks before this episode aired. So I did not know that when I picked it, that these are both within spitting distance of each other. Um, so Martin Mull, his character coming out in his third episode on the show, and then he sticks around for another 43, is just completely bucks the trend of the gay of the week problem. And I just adore that for i adore that for him it's good for him it's cute for him (laughs) 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 i love that um so yeah this week on must have seen tv we'll be talking about the roseanne episode dances with darlene it is the 23rd episode of season three and was written by brad isaacs and directed by gail mancuso here's how amazon describes the episode darlene resents roseanne's sudden interest in her life when a boy asks her for to her to her first school dance 
Justin, how accurate is that description? That's it's it's sweeping. Yeah, we'll call Wrong. it that. Yeah, it leaves out the uh, a lot of the gay stuff, but it hones in on the gender expectation stuff, which I think overall makes this episode a lot gayer in vibe than it is in text, maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of gender stuff going on, which is also wild to know that like Sarah Gilbert is a lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I definitely think, especially from those early seasons, and I don't want to put too, too many, um, too much like gender spin on anything, but yeah, I would not have been stunned if they had taken Darlene that route. Yeah. Because it's like, it's one of those, like, not a surprise <laughs> that, that uh, Sarah Gilbert is living her truth. Um, kicking ass. I, I'm a I'm a defender of the Connors. I love the Connors. I think the Connors is a good show. Uh, come at me, uh, haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Goodman, Laurie Metcalf doing great work on there. Um, but the episode starts off, and the first thing that I noticed was the hair, because you can kind of track where you are in Roseanne by, like, what her hair journey, where she is at. Yes. Oh, uh, this was short, almost like bowl-cut redhead yes. kind of look. Oh, and then Becky has this super short, chopped-up, blonde look. Incredible. Yeah. And I noted when it was the two of them and Jackie all standing together, it was like, they look like Wilson Phillips. Like, all three of them <laughs> look together like Wilson Phillips. Very, like, um, right before Sinead, like, shaves everything off kind of haircut. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Did the women in your life in the 90s go through a lot of uh, hair journeys? Yeah, a lot of perms. Saw a yeah. lot of perms. Um, and it was, it was, it was incredible, but there was always the one woman who had that kind of Becky, um, hairstyle, particularly in this yeah. episode where it's short oh, yeah. and kind of choppy. And yeah. I just always remember, I can't remember. We're allowed to, we're allowed to curse. Oh, please. Oh yes. yeah. Like Explicit you did not, tag. You did not fuck with that woman. No, <laughs> that woman, she had that haircut and you were like, listen, I'm not saying anything. I just know that that woman, if you cross her, she will she will kill your whole family. Yep. And, and I loved that it. is that is a haircut that both my mom and my sister had at one point, And that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but see, like my sister went to cosmetology school after she graduated high school. So she and this was oh, God, this was 1990. So in 1990, she is getting her beautician's license. So I feel like I had a front row seat towards the same kind of hair exper experimentation that Roseanne Barr was doing. Because it was like, when I was going through all my family photos, it's like every year, up, down, long, blonde, red, brunette, just like yep. all over the place. And that is the story that we were being told here. The very first scene of the episode is Jackie wanting a washer dryer. And it's just an exchange between her and Roseanne. There's no, that's not a plot. You think that's going to be a plot. It's not a plot. No, they set you up big and then they just, they just abandon it. This washer dryer thing. We're never going to find out if Jackie's going to get it and if it's going to keep her from coming over to the house. She, I mean, <laughs> she did promise that she would come back as long as there was food, which God love yeah. her for that. Same, honestly. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, is this, this is Jackie's only scene in the episode, isn't it? Oh yeah. God. I mean, outside of, um, cause I know that Darlene has the big, the big dress montage where she tries on a whole oh, bunch right. of dresses. Jackie's, Jackie's there for that. Yeah. But. Okay. Okay. But I was like, well, they have Lori Metcalf on retainer. You got to use her somehow. So give her a cold open. <laughs> um, okay. So then we get set up with the main, like, runner of the episode is Dan comes home with, uh, Darlene. She's like pitched, uh, 
baseball specifics, baseball specifics. I don't. Did you ever, did your parents ever force you to play sports? No, my dad had a really bad experience with baseball. Um, so they had this, they had this policy that we are not doing sports, but I did get tricked into several hunting trips over. <laughs> and you can tell I've been in New York for a while because I just said hunting trips, not hunting trips. Oh, and yeah. Wow. That G came out. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, I, pl- I played T-ball in kindergarten and that was it. Whoo. That did not go. That was, but thankfully my parents, like they made me do it. Cause like my mom, dad and sister were all like co-ed softball champions of the church. So we spent way too much time at the softball fields. Uh, so they made me do it for once. And then when I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> they yeah, didn't make me go I back. I can't again. do this anymore. No, thank you. But Darlene is into it. She's killing it. Uh, Dan reveals that he's got two tickets to the bulls game. He's like, basically he's going to ask Darlene to go, but then Darlene gets a surprise phone call. Yep. She gets asked to the dance, which is Bye. every every girl in my dream. Yeah, just please. Uh, I don't know what is your what is your high school or the she's in middle school. This is a middle school dance. Yeah, did you have middle school dance like memories experience? Oh, I did. I went with my my friend Kristen, um, who developed much faster than any other girl. Um, so <laughs> I. I remember, this is kind of creepy, but I remember my dad being like, oh, you got a good one there. And I'm like, that child is a child. <laughs> that, that's a child. Um, I am a child. She is a child. <laughs> but I I was dabbling. <laughs> speaking of hair journeys, I was dabbling in the um, in the wool of sun in. Um, okay. And I spent a lot of time outside one day. So I had bright orange, spiky <laughs> hair, a black button up shirt, khaki pants and a red tie. So yeah. let's oh. marinate in that. I'm that's this. A, that, I'm my same weight. By the way, I'm like six three ish. I'm my same weight, but I was like five seven at the time. Oh my god! So I was <laughs> I was gorgeous. That was the bell of the ball. I never went. I never. I went to all the middle school dances, but I went alone. Um, and I would just stand there, walk around with people. Uh, yeah, it was you know. You dance when the fast songs would come on. Then, like, it wasn't anything special, but like, it's a special moment for Darlene. She's excited. Becky sure. is shocked. Um, and then Roseanne asked the question, "I wonder what you're going to wear." And then Darlene says something. I then Roseanne's like, "I wasn't asking you." Oh boy, that's going to be trouble. Hundred <laughs> percent. Seems like we're going. We have a plot line brewing. Um, uh then we get the opening credits what is your take on the roseanne opening credits iconic do you skip them are they a must watch never skip never never skip (laughs) honestly because it so often i felt like it reflected i mean the credits don't change that often but i do feel like every time i saw a new credit it just reflected almost like a food metamorphosis in my own family like i know that tiny table and like everybody grabbing the takeout so yeah never skip I also noted that they have those red plastic, those red, like, clear plastic glasses that they, they would have, like, Pizza Hut and stuff, or, like, CC's Pizza or something. Brett, that's called like, China. What? That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fine China, the fine red crystal, plastic crystal. Um, and I was like, oh, I, yeah, that, that's memories right there. Uh, then, so, like, the first scene of the episode proper is at Rod Bell's, which just... On a macro note, what the hell is going on at Rod Bell's? How is there a diner in the middle of like a JC Penny? 
I mean, I would visit that because I know yeah. as, a, as a child going to a JCPenney, I would get tired and I would get hungry. Please. That does not happen. Um, Wait, so we probably had, this is going to be very regional, but we probably had the same department stores because that's a regional thing that I did not realize until I moved to New York. Yeah. JCPenney. Uh, um, JCPenney. Dillard's. Dillard's. There it is. Kastner Knot. Are there Castor Knots? Ooh, I don't remember that. Castor Knot closed. I don't know when it closed. And then it might have been replaced with Hex. I do remember Hex. Yeah. <laughs> we used to go every, during Christmas, go to Dillard's uh, during Christmas. You'd go every week to get the new house. The new, like, little uh Oh my gosh, yes. 100%. Like a little village, a little pewter figures. My mom had no idea that I was very gay. <laughs> but... <laughs> At, at Rod Bell's, instead of doing their job, Roseanne and her friend, whose name I don't remember, what is her coworker? I don't oh, no. know. Her Here, BFF. keep going. I got it. Okay, yeah. So her and her BFF are there, and they're basically like prepping to test out uh, the dresses. I'm assuming it's good for Roseanne that she works in the department store because she probably just walked over in her apron, picked up a bunch of dresses off the rack, and then put them in the in Rod Bell's to like start picking out what Starling gonna wear. So there is a scene in um, Rod Bell's and I don't, I think it was the, I think it's at this point in the episode. Yeah. And I'm, I clocked it because I was, I had my, I had my gay glasses on. Um, later, the shoes that Darlene had on are black, but in Rod Bell's, they look rainbow. Oh. And I'm wondering, is see- that like a little wink in the nod? Like, uh-oh, something gay's afoot. So, something gay. There's gay shit in this show, and it is underneath the surface. Exactly. Um, the gay plot, uh, we don't know it yet. Exactly. No. Gay, we don't know the gay plot is starting, but it is starting because, um, what's her name? Amy Aquino, or Aquino, as Linda from Rod Bell's HR, or like HQ, shows up to do like a performance evaluation, like monitor everything because that's a stock sitcom trope that happens all the time. Um, She is wildly inappropriate and maybe bad at her job. (laughs) Yeah, she she does not. I mean, she's a she's an HR violation walking. She's just she is like if, if Phoenix of the X-Men is fire and life incarnate, she is a sexual harassment lawsuit incarnate. She yes. comes in, she sees Leon, Martin Mull, and immediately, as soon as he's gone, she basically just, like turns to Roseanne and her friend and is just like, cut the chase. I want to get on that guy's D. How am I going to do it? <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, by the way, um, did a quick peek. The friend's name is Bonnie, which the fact that we didn't clock that is insane. Yeah, Bonnie. Bonnie makes total sense. <laughs> so I, I will say, so Martin Mull brings her in and just everyone on the podcast knows my uh, deep attraction and love for Martin Mull because uh, I've talked about Sabrina the Teenage <laughs> Witch before. Um, but this is even, this is like, this is peak Mull. Uh, this is like eight years before Sabrina. So he's just like, oh my God, he's a little younger. He's in his forties. He's not young, <laughs> but um, he's got, he's in like that early 1991 vibe, which is like a style that I really uh, dig a lot of like flannel suits, grays, earth tones. Um, I'm, I might be one of the only gay men to find Martin Mull <laughs> devastatingly attractive. Cause I wrote girl same when, <laughs> when <laughs> Linda started, started going in on him. But uh <sighs> That's me. That's that's my type, I guess. That's that's right. I, I get it. And it really is peak Martin Mull because a fun fact about him is that when he was born, he was 45 and stayed that age for Until 50 years. 
Yeah, until he hit Sabrina. Then he started getting like he would age uh, a month every year. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is like as I noted before, this is his third episode. So he's in three episodes in season three. This is his third one, and they're outing him in his third episode, which is so cool that they're not doing the usual like big. Usually, this would be their big entrance. Yes. Um. Is the whole like, did you know he's actually gay reveal? And I, it's nice they waited until the third one. Um, but Leon is a problematic fave. I'll just say that up top because he 100%. is a Republican <laughs> and I can't, I cannot, but he's also a Republican as in 1991, which is basically like a centrist in 2020, I guess. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, I don't, I don't know. I need, I need Martin Mull to come back onto the Connors, uh, season three or whatever so I can get a, get a read on where he's at, uh, politically. Or maybe I don't want that. I don't know. Um, but he's also the villain. He's also kind of like the, he's Roseanne's nemesis. You, yes. you probably, uh, as, as a Roseanne super fan, <laughs> that's what I just dubbed you. Um, <laughs> like you probably can speak more to the overview of Martin Mull's like role on the show. He does change over the course of like five years. He does. And I think like with any with any quote unquote villain or nemesis on a show like this, there ends up being more of a playful side Mm -hmm. of that. Um, But even still, I think you introduce you introduce a nemesis on a on a sitcom like this and they they made Martin Mull more lovable more quickly than Mm -hmm. I think most sitcoms ever, ever even tried to. Yeah, because he, I mean, he essentially becomes a main cast member by the last season, the crazy season. I mean, hey, he's on that boat when they do that weird Gilligan's Island riff and he plays Thurston Howell the third. <laughs> uh, and he also marries Fred Willard um, later Rest on in the peace, run. Like, yeah, like, and that was uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a video montage of a bunch of celebrities sharing videos and Martin Mull was one of them. And he was like, I'm one of the, I'm like the only person that could say that I loved him so much I married him. And I was just like, oh my God. tears tears um so yeah so that is so that plot basically kicks off with uh linda being like i want to just throw my entire career away because i am traveling and i am just horny and thirsty uh (laughs) and then we go back to the house and roseanne is forcing darlene to try on all these looks we get a montage of looks and it is a 1991 prom eleganza it's a ball challenge and the category is 91 prom (laughs) I would wear every single dress, every single one of them. <laughs> Do you have a fave? Because um, there was there were all colors of the rainbow. We had two blue, a red, an orange, a green, and a floral. A that, two floral. That floral at the end, like get out of here. That is not what you said, Alon. It is ninety one. You go with blue. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that bright blue I really, satin. I liked the green with the black polka dots. I liked that. Um, <laughs> I I really liked the Judy Jetson because they go into this montage. Which was a bit of like clever arty editing that I was not ready to see in a multicam show because no, yeah, it's just cool. So it's a static shot, and they basically like edit it together to where as Darlene and Becky are walking out of the frame, they then enter the door again to like, uh, to to basically do a one liner of like what Roseanne's critique of the dress was. Like I looked like rhubarb, uh, Judy Jetson. I like the Judy Jetson dress. It was. Uh, I thought that editing was really cool because it was a full carousel effect. Oh, yeah. I was trying to see if it was a like if they had completely left the screen before they entered again. And no, like they actually did overlap on the screen. So like some uh, some people using some 
I don't know what editing software there was in 91. Was Avid around? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I did not use my major. That is for sure. Um, and then we get the first uh, fight between Roseanne and Darlene. Because Roseanne wants to take her out to like a girl's makeover on Saturday, which is the day of Darlene's baseball practice. And Darlene's like, why do you suddenly care about me when it's a dance? Why have you never cared about baseball? Is this in, is Roseanne wanting to be so girly with Darlene in character for Roseanne? Or did that seem like a weird stretch for the plot? I, so I actually rewound that part because it did feel out of character. And I thought, oh, maybe she's just like antagonizing her. But like, it really did kind of feel out of character. A, because I'm sorry, even in 1991, anybody that has that like, Trixie Mattel Super Bowl cut with like that. I don't even it's a, it's that specific kind of red. I don't even want to give it a name. I just want to describe it because people will know like oh, the yeah. specific kind of like deep red um, that's like somebody burned a Netflix logo and yeah. they're just like that. That woman's kind of always angry mm-hmm. not, not to feed into stereotypes there, but um, <laughs> yeah, like it was it it was so out of character for Roseanne. And I don't believe that that version of Roseanne goes and gets her hair done often. So. Yeah. And it is weird because Roseanne's whole point of existence as a character and as a show is to kind of like alter the very rigid uh, femininity that was forced onto like mothers uh, throughout 40 years of TV history. Her so mother. like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Especially like specifically like, her mother on the show. And so it is weird that for this one episode, she is super into it. But I will say that there are moments where she delivers those lines with, with that kind of tossed off antagonism. Like that seems more in line with her character. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but I also do understand that like we've, the episode is setting up that Darlene spends a lot of time with Dan and Roseanne just kind of wants to hang out with Darlene for a sec. Um, but don't make her quit her baseball practice. That's what I, you know, I'm team Darlene in this. Uh, So that is the first inkling of the fight. Then we get the next scene, which is back at the Rob Bell, where Leon is just like, give everyone a flower. All these tables need flowers. We got to make sure this place is looking great because of various like corporate punishment that could happen if uh, Linda doesn't uh, like what's going on. And then Linda shows up. She doesn't mince words. (laughs) No, not at all. I admired how forward she was. I mean, like, he gives her the flower, and it looks like she's about to eat the flower, like, sexually, like, nibble on it or something. (laughs) It's very weird. Uh, As soon as she, like, they sit down at the booth, and as soon as she reveals that, like, she wants to, like, get with that, he looks kind of giddy. (laughs) Like, did you, like, he seems kind of... He seems kind of like he's like, oh, my God, this is what I've always heard about. I've never experienced. It seems like that kind of vibe of like. (laughs) And and Bonnie and Roseanne are having that ridiculous side conversation where they're talking about, like, is there any world where you would be with Leon? And I think Bonnie was like, what about what about for money? And Roseanne was like, no, still no. 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 And it's like, what if he's the last man on earth? Then I demand a re then I demand a recount. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, that gave me PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um but yeah, so what is so like this is a uh I'm trying to think. There's something there's a kernel to this that very speaks true to the um, I don't know, the gay experience of 
when people mistake you for straight, what is your reaction to that? <laughs> uh, How so, often does it happen? And then when is it? Are you as like I can't believe this is happening? This is delightful. <laughs> I so I was on a run yesterday, um, which which is me flexing that I sometimes hey. run. It's my once a Wait. month. Um, Wait, where is your where is your quarantine life taking you? I am down in um, DC. I came down. Okay. I guess ugh, almost three months ago with two weeks worth of clothes and I'm staying with my boyfriend and now I'm just in rags. It's incredible. Great. Great. Um, <laughs> but I, I was on a run yesterday and there was a, there was a situation where uh, a woman passed me and smiled. And I can only assume that like, it was just like being friendly, but nobody's really been friendly lately. And I just had that fleeting <laughs> thought and I was like, what, like, what do you do if somebody like thinks that you're straight? And honestly, yeah. like, I don't know. I think sometimes I just kind of go along with it because I feel like it's easier. Yeah. Um, but then again, I mean, God love me. Listen to me on this episode. It's not like it's <laughs> going to take a long time before people figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's really weird. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. It does seem like it is. I relate to. It's also like as as problematic. Fave as Leon is. I relate to him so much because I have had my own complicated journey with my like sexuality and how I present. And I presented a lot more. I mean, I probably still present very straight. I actually have no idea. I don't. I haven't seen anyone in two and a half months. Let alone someone <laughs> I don't already know. Um, but like, so I always like relate to the more. Uh, I don't know, traditionally masculine or like conservatively dressed or uh, gay male characters. Because first of all, like there aren't a lot of them. If they, if a gay character does pop up on TV at this time, it's usually to be the flaming, like I'm the hairdresser of the week kind of character. So yeah, Leon sure. is weirdly subversive uh, in his blandness, <laughs> in, in his like complete vanilla latte uh, life that he's living. Um, so I don't know, I kind of do relate to Leon's like fluttery, like, this is hilarious. I can't believe someone thinks I'm straight. He immediately like, doesn't even answer. He just like gets up, walks straight over to Roseanne and Bonnie. And it's just like, what is happening? Um, and then he has to tell her, no, I am. I am seeing someone, which there's this really funny exchange where Roseanne screams from across Rod Bell's like, no, you're not. And he goes, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which so like that this is the this is also i think this is what i wrote about my article about this this is so true of ha the easiest way to come out is if you're in a relationship yes this is like this is it this that's what this episode is in a nutshell is when was leon ever going to have the chat with roseanne and bonnie about his sexuality never Right, like yeah, this was this was for that character specifically, and it's almost. I know that we were talking about um, the idea of like introducing a character as like the gay character, yeah. But I almost feel like this had to be like a bit of a of a a pre decision on the Roseanne writers' room part because you introduce that character in such a way that the only way that he's ever going to come out is if it, there's like a relationship issue like this. So yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it, it does speak to, I always look at these sitcom episodes as subconsciously teaching straight people of the era, how gay people live. And this right here is an example of, the pro like the pronoun game the weird like 
Because even at the end, when Jerry shows up, Martin, like, Leon just introduces him as, like, a friend, friend. and is hoping they'll infer, because, like, straight people, it's just like, this is my girlfriend, we bone in, like, we having a good time, I love her, she loves me, we're gonna get, like, it's so, there's no issue about it, whereas gay people, every single time you tell someone you're in a relationship, you always have to do that mental, like, calculation in your head, like, you know, and the older you get, the the more progressive... Yeah, what are the words I'm using? What are they going to say? You know, and you know, where am I right now physically? You know, um, so I don't know. That's me reading a whole lot into a literal thirty second scene at the very end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can't do that in Pride Month, when can I? Uh, literally any week, it's my podcast. <laughs> so uh, the next the next scene is back at home, and Darlene's like, "I'm not dancing. I'm done." I'm not doing this. Drive me crazy, mom. We're out. Um, and this is when Roseanne, like, this is Roseanne's, like, meeting Darlene where she's at moment. Yeah. <laughs> where she, like, is like, you can go, call Barry up, you can go, you can wear whatever you want and do your hair however you want, you know, you should just go. Um, and then she gives her a gift. It's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she tried she gave her uh golf cleats uh, which roseanne I love when golf- she holds it up and she's like golf yeah. shoes yeah i wrote down like darlene's face is like she's so like what the fuck is this um, <laughs> but like this is such a good moment and like roseanne says like she went to the store she thought they were baseball shoes and she just basically got them because she they, they were pretty <laughs> like but it's like she tried. It was such a cool understanding on Roseanne of like trying to understand where her daughter is coming from. And it's so interesting because as you make your way through the series, I actually love what the Connors has done in this revamp because mm-hmm. Darlene, in a way, has really stepped into that role of Roseanne. Because as much as they collided and graded against each other, Darlene was always kind of like the second iteration of Roseanne. So it's funny oh, yeah. to see these moments where they care so much from each other and just seem to always be missing the communication between the two. Because they are so alike. Like, they're both... Like, they both have... Uh, like, when um, when Darlene is first wearing the dress back when during the trying on montage and Dan comes home and Dan, like, they dance together. They, like, slow dance in the living room jokingly. And... Oh, God, like, Dan says something. Oh, see, this is where I should drop an audio clip, so I'm not going to. He basically says something that leads Darlene to say, don't worry, Dad, I'll only do that if we go all the way. Or, like, she basically... <laughs> she's like oh, an wait, no, 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 no. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, because I loved that scene. I have such a deep, deep love for John Goodman. Oh, God, yeah. Um, to the to the point where it's almost romantic, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but when he makes Darlene get up and dance, um, and Darlene's uh. protesting the whole thing, and he said, um, "Just tell him that you're going to be sick." And she said, "I was going to save that when he tries to have sex with me later." Yeah. And he's like, "I've, I've got to go. I've got to go." <laughs> Which is hilarious because she's like, I don't know, twelve, thirteen. She's probably yeah. thirteen. Like, like, it's just so. Oh, it's so great. Uh, but like, that's total. Like, that's a total Roseanne line. Like, that is the exact same level of brusque and appropriate humor that her mom loves. And completely deadpan, just serious yeah. about attack. Ugh. Well, I mean, she, so, like, also, Sarah Gilbert was nominated for Emmys for Roseanne as a child. So, like, yeah. that's also wild to me. Um, Darlene says something, like, she, she boils the whole thing down to, I didn't feel like myself when I was in that dress. Which is such a 
cool summation of like how queer people interact with like the expectations society puts. Like, you know, you can extrapolate to the metaphor of like, I didn't feel like myself when I was wearing this thing that society told me I should wear because of how I was assigned at birth. Yeah. And it's really cool. Um, which is why it's almost like the queer story in this episode is more Darlene's story and not Martin Mull's story. But also Sarah Gilbert is the actual queer person and Martin Mull is, as far as I know, not gay. Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> no, I the... think I totally get it because I, I legitimately I texted you and said, <laughs> are you sure that this is the episode? Because it really does. It like waits until the very end. Mm-hmm. to make the big reveal. Um, and then the more that I thought about it, it makes so much sense because even though Darlene remains straight through the whole series, sorry, like 20 year spoiler alert. Um, yeah. <laughs> Get on the Connors, y'all. It's on Hulu. You'll love it. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting because it's almost as if they're telling this like secondary queer story that you don't yeah. get to see with Leon. Yeah, it does seem like, I wonder if I would love to know from the writer's room standpoint, if that was the intention of like, we're going to out this character in the B story. So let's also try and do something meteor with a straight character in the A story that like, cause it really, they really do echo and resonate because their stories do kind of mirror because they are both being perceived. Like Leon is perceived as straight because of like, look at him. And so Linda just like wants to just, <laughs> I was going to say get up in there and root around, but maybe, maybe what God, I just turned into uh, Willem for a second. I don't, I don't don't go to that bathhouse, but maybe, (laughs) Uh, but because he looks that way, he's perceived as straight. And because she's a girl, she's perceived as like, you need to wear a floral dress. Like there is, there is these like mirroring going on. Um, So then, then we got to Saturday night. Darlene's not gone to the dance. She's on the couch with, uh, with Dan. They're watching the, Getting ready for tip off, which is a basketball thing. That's, where the that's ball... what I hear. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is a yeah um, sports. Uh, but then she gets a call from Barry, who asks her if she wants to go get pizza. And this is maybe like the sweetest moment of the episode. She's on the phone and she's like, "Well, I'm with my dad." And then Dan, without even turning around, he just puts his hand behind and waves goodbye to her. Amazing. And it's it is just. Stan Connor is just so great. <laughs> there are not many shows, I feel like. The two that come to mind immediately... Well, I guess, I guess I'm guess i about to like fully hand it to myself. This is like a self-edit in, like, oh. in real time. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I don't feel like... There are, there are a lot of beloved moms. Um, and I was going to say there aren't quite as many beloved dads. I think that's completely wrong. And I'll correct myself from get-go. But I feel <laughs> like you have... Dan is one of the warmest dads that I can think yeah. of in sitcom history. Yeah. Well, and also the most like emotionally vulnerable while still being like a picture of masculinity. Yes. Uh, they let him have emotional, like the kind of like emotional arcs and openness, like the, um, God, what is the, does Roseanne have a miss? There's like the miscarriage episode where there's like the, or, or do they not? She not, there's like the, cr- the cradle that they don't want to take, apart and like dan has like a moment of just like oh god i can't remember I what it was what you're talking about yeah it's like they were they were contemplating whether or not to have an abortion i think and dan was being weird about it but it wasn't because he's weird because 
he wants control over her body. It's he was being weird because of like his own like he was just scared or something. Like I think it was, there was a legitimate sadness there. Yeah, as like well. it was. It was the kind of shit like you can always compare Roseanne to Home Improvement, and Home Improvement was a show that me and my family watched every week. Like Home Improvement is my yes. jam. Uh, I love Jill Taylor is my mom. I love Patricia Richardson. She's one of the best sitcom actresses of all time. Uh, and both her and John Goodman were faced with the same problem of like, we are actual actors that are paired with these standups <laughs> that we have to essentially teach how to act on the fly. And that kind of shows in like Tim Taylor never gets the kind of emotional, like deep moments that Dan gets, especially like even in this episode with like the tiny gesture of a wave. Yeah, it's very deep. And then he immediately like Darling runs up to get ready. The DJ wanders by. Um, <laughs> I also noted like DJ DJ's wearing some weird T-shirt. <laughs> had like a comic strip on it, but it was like a Norman Rockwell looking thing. It was some weird. I think it said like the sporting life. It might have had a duck on it. <laughs> but part of me was just like, yeah, that's the kind of shit that you wear when you're like that age and no one cares <laughs> like <laughs> you don't care your parents don't care it's just like here's a shirt whatever um and he asks like and basically like it ends with like well D- dan's gonna like watch a show with dj watch the game with dj it's very sweet um then we get the credits uh basically here's where the gay thing comes in <laughs> it's the very very end of the episode they're shutting down for the day at rod bells first of all leon comes out of the kitchen area putting his tie on what was I noted that I was like, why is he putting his tie on? But then I was like, maybe he's putting on his dinner tie. Like maybe that's his nice tie for dinner. <laughs> yeah, maybe like brought it along. Um, I know that I very much like Mr. Rogers, and this is this is something pretty steeped in gay culture that you change ties when you get home. Um, oh yes, so. yeah, gotta have a tie on at all times. <laughs> well, yeah, this I is. Did, <laughs> I did not clock that at all, though. I just um, I didn't even realize yeah. that. Yeah, so. But also, like, you know, he works at Rod Bell's. Who knows what got on that tie? Um, sure. So then a man comes in. Like, uh, he, like, as soon as he sees him, is that, like, and then Leon says to Jerry, so it's like, this is Jerry. Oh, that's where I left my blue shirt. Yes, you left it at home this morning. That is the exchange. <laughs> like, it's yes. so quick. And then... Then uh, Jerry says, you need to hurry up because we're going to meet Phil and Tom for dinner. And I just thought to myself, Jerry, Phil, Tom, and Leon are like such gay 1991 names. Yes. <laughs> like, we're going to meet Phil and Tom. <laughs> like, very much very the Tyler gay. of their time. Yes. <laughs> so then like, that is it. They then like walk away together. And then Roseanne and Bonnie just look at each other and go, oh, oh. and that's it. Like, it's not even like a judging O. There's a, there's a lot to unpack in that O. Um, they're not, it's not a judging. It's not played for laughs either. It's just like the characters are having a realization and like, I don't know. They also convey like, yeah, hey, we're fine with that. Yeah. In, in just a one syllable word. <laughs> so, um, but it's a good episode. Good episode of television. It's nice. You know, and the more that I thought about it after we talked, I think that it's even nicer because it wasn't a, an important episode with a message. It was it was almost inconsequential. Oh, yeah. No, gay, gay people also are very boring bosses. 
<laughs> Love that. Who, who don't have a lot going on. Um, are you ready for some must-have facts about this episode of television? Please. Oh, yeah. So. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode was watched by 25.3 million people. It's crazy. is just so much but it's also cool to think like 25.3 million people saw jerry come to pick up leon to go out to their dinner with phil and tom like whoa they were they didn't sign up for that when they started watching this episode that's pornographic yeah how dare um the episode was the fourth most watched tv show of the week the top five of the week were number five la law number four was this episode of roseanne number three was cheers this is like season eight or something of Cheers. Uh, number two was Dallas. And number one was Switched at Birth Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> Which, take me back to the days when a rip from the headlines TV miniseries could be the number one show of the week. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that does not happen anymore. I mean, I guess this is like kind of a, uh, it'd be like netflix true crime docs are like what we have now i was gonna say like the um the aaron hernandez doc maybe oh yeah i watched that and i don't know anything about uh that was football (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah we talked about football baseball and basketball in this episode um the abc tuesday night lineup that this aired as part of was who's the boss kicked off the night then baby talk uh which i do believe is just look who's talking but a tv show um roseanne and then a very short-lived sitcom called Stat, which was about doctors. And then it closed out the night with 30-something. That's kind of a, like, shaky uh, shaky lineup. Shaky Tuesday night lineup. When Home Improvement hits, it's going to be gold. That's yeah, it. 100%. Um, did you recognize Amy Aquino, who played Linda, from anything else? Because she was on everything. I recognized her and could not peg her to a single other thing. She looks like a Melina Kanakaridis or an Amy Amy Ackerman or Amy Brenneman. Like she looks like that level of like, you know, the crossing Jordan <laughs> type. Yes. Uh but she she's most recently she's on Bosch as Lieutenant Grace Billets, which Bosch, notoriously a show that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know anything about Bosch. Um But she also like was on 20 episodes of ER, uh, a whole bunch of episodes of 
Oh God, um, I should have looked. I looked it up. She's on literally everything. If you look up her IMDb, she's done recurring stints on so many shows. Um, oh, Michael she was on the- Grey's Anatomy. Sorry, I got oh. so excited. Is that your jam? Yes, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Wait, are you are you uh? Do you have a, a summer house in Shondaland? Wait, what is that? <laughs> do you have a summer house in Shondaland? Are you Two are you a big them. Shonda? <laughs> uh, wait, does she have any shows in the air now besides Grey's Anatomy? Oh, uh, no, she, had, away I know she, um, it just, just ended. ended. Oh, wow. She has that, um, Netflix deal coming up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're getting a daily use at some point. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> um, so Michael DeBar played Jerry. Now he was a recurring actor on MacGyver and on Melrose Place before this. He was a rock and roller. He is English. He had that accent. He replaced Robert Palmer and the UK supergroup Power Supply in the 80s. And now he hosts like a serious XM radio show. And notoriously, uh, he quote tweeted this article that I wrote about this piece about this episode years ago and uh, pointed out that he received a ton of hate mail over this role. Really? Yeah. He received hate mail. I don't know why I'm surprised about that, but. All it took was walking onto camera and being um, G-rated gay with another man for literally like 15 seconds. And he got a hate mail. That is that is insane. <clears throat> That's wild. Um, on IMDb, 178 users rated this episode a 7.6 out of 10. Would you go higher, lower? Does that sound right? What would you rate it? I feel I feel like that's about right. It was a solid episode. I wouldn't call it one of the all-time greats, but I also think mm-hmm. that, that in its own way makes it an all-time great because it it had a little moment like this and it was just, you know, every day. Yeah, this is a, an average episode of Roseanne is going to get you, you know, some good moments, some good laughs. You'd want more Jackie, you'd want more Becky, 100%. Um, Arguably but, even more John Goodman. Yeah. But, you know, you get some good Leon and that's Goodbye, me. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, who had the must-see performance in this episode? Who was the standout performer? I oh. mean, I feel like I'm I'm biased, but again, I would say I would say John Goodman for the little dance scene for the for the mm-hmm. wave goodbye. I think Darlene also got a, a nice little flex too. Oh yeah, I would I would give it to Sarah Gilbert. Um, sorry, Martin. Uh, I, she's just really good at this. Also, great taste in uh, music posters. She has an REM poster. I think also a um, God was that De- no, not Depeche Mode. God, no. Um, uh, God, Motley Crue. I think I couldn't tell. Um, Depeche Mode and Motley Crue, very different bands. Um, must other people see this episode of television? Yes. Hop into it. Would this be a good first episode of Roseanne? You know what? Actually, I would also say yes to that Um, Hmm. for every reason but Roseanne. Roseanne (laughs) isn't represented well in this episode just because it doesn't feel like her character. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But I think it gets at all the things that kind of makes Roseanne great. Yeah, yeah. The other is Dan and uh, Darlene get really good showings. Yeah. And Bonnie. Bonnie is a dream. (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for talking about roseanne where can people find you uh on the internet and all of your projects what's coming up 
Um, I write for Esquire, so visit Esquire. We're, we're fun. Um, if you want to see my rantings, I'm at Justin Kirkland four on everything. And if you love Dolly Parton, like I do, you can find us on social at my year with Dolly or, um, on all places, podcasts or app, just Google my, or search my year with Dolly. It's all spelled normally because you know, I'm boring. <laughs> Should, uh, M Y Y R. W slash D A W L I <laughs> Dolly is that it? Your year with the Dalai Lama. <laughs> Your year with Dahlia Sin. No. Um. So yeah, that does it for this episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again. Thanks again to my guest Justin Kirkland for dropping by and talking about Roseanne with me. Next time on part three of the Pride Month Extravaganza, I'll be discussing the Seinfeld episode, The Outing. The Outing is in Season 4, Episode 17, and you can stream that on Hulu. Until then, I want to hear from all y'all. Follow Must Have Seen TV on Twitter and Instagram, and let's talk about sitcoms. Also, you know, rate and review the podcast in iTunes, because it really helps out. And uh, I will read your reviews on air. You know it's true. Also, if you request a sitcom for me to watch in a review, I am contractually obligated to do it. Duckman is coming, reviewer. I will be talking about Duckman at some point soon. Uh, read the words that I write at Decider.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening. And I'll see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. Insert gay pop song here. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.